What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Planeswalkers Anonymous, the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Yes, the points are like the arcane subtype on your lava spike. Tonight's contestant is Donovan, and I'm your host, Duncan Day. Look at them points. Let's go. That's right. I get to be Drew Carey. Wait. I'm so sorry. Is Drew Carey like a, a bad guy now? I don't... I don't think so. Okay. I know some, some of his comedy has not aged well. I think people just think he's kind of an ass. I think that that might be true. <laughs> what I looked at today, I was like, oh, some of this is not great. But, like, I wasn't sure if he had been, like, quote-unquote canceled for anything. Or if he was just... I don't think so. Not cool. <laughs> okay. All right. I feel more comfortable then. He's, I think he's still on um, Price is Right right now. Oh, really? Is he doing the Price is Right? I think so. Man, that, that's another one that I looked at. I mean, like... Uh, what, what was it? You know, it's like, this is Rod Roy for The Price is Right. Right? Who's that? Rod Roy is like no, the announcer Drew Carey of does The Price is Right. What? No, Drew Carey does The Price is Right. Well, and before Drew Carey was Bob Barker. And early on, Bob Barker had like, I don't know, this guy called Rod Roy, I think, who was like just there to call out people's names or something. I don't know. I didn't watch The Price is Right in the 70s, Donovan. I'm just joking. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to call you up. <laughs> anyway, uh, this week, we're going to talk about uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms Limited. But before we do, we gotta we got to mention Boardwalk. Get some of that. Uh, yeah, they supplied us with these packs tonight. That's right. Well, did they? Did they, Donovan? I'm, I am an owner of Boardwalk. Alright. And I have supplied the booster. Fair enough. However, I want to say that. But uh, Boardwalk also supplies like all of my singles and uh, and dice and and you know, actually I've been uh been doing a bunch of actual D and D stuff, not just Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, but you know, like tabletop RPG stuff and uh mm-hmm. Boardwalk has has all of the supplies for that as well. And board games and and I, I know, like, our audience is primarily coming here for the magic. I say primarily. It's hard to imagine we have a significant amount of the audience that is coming here for anything else. But Board, Boardwalk has us covered with all of our gaming needs, whether it be magic or Pokemon or what was what it? Flesh and Blood? Is that the new card nope. game? No? Nope. I mean, that is the new card game, but not something that Boardwalk sells. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Xnay on the Eshplay, and Udblay. Yeah, no, that's. I already get a lot of calls for people asking for that. Oh, really? Don't need you telling people I sell it when I don't. I hear it's bad. It's not great. It, I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just not very good. Yeah, have you? I guess sounds like you've had an opportunity to try it out. Yeah, I tried it out. Somebody that really, really liked it, I played with them, and I was like, this is kind of less good than Magic. <laughs> Isn't that all trading card games, though? That's that's the problem. Yeah. Like, I, uh, man, I think we, we talked about Yu-Gi-Oh! a little bit last week, but, like, I remember back when Pokemon became, like, the big fad with people my age, and, like, mm-hmm. there was a little while I was interested in collecting the cards, but I couldn't get interested in playing. Because I already knew how to play Magic. And I was like, why Why would I want to do this? This sucks. 
I don't know. I have Pokemon installed on my computer. You can you can play with the the cool Pokemons. I man. I have I have a deck that plays some different Lapras cards and some Articunos and I'm also just got a getting hundred percent win rate right now. And also just well congratulations. Pokemon matches you with people who have played similar numbers of matches as you. And so considering the fact that I know how to play Pokemon and have for years yeah. but have played very, very little Pokemon online TCG <laughs> means I am likely being paired against people who are just learning how to play Pokemon. Yeah. Well and it's that's that's why I have such a good win rate. I know that I'm just old, but like I don't think that anything any of the Pokemon since like the second generation maybe were any good. Um I, I take I that think back. That... Each generation has a couple that are like cute or interesting, but so many of the Pokemon that have come out since like the original like one hundred or whatever were garbage creatively. Um, but I think that after the first generation, mm-hmm. and maybe even the second generation to some extent, they uh, they, they struggle to find a lot of good avenues they hadn't already explored. Yeah. And that's real difficult. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't have a problem with the new ones, and I think some of the new ones have been really cool. So I'm not as down on the, the new generations as you seem to be. I just, I realize that they're struggling, and sometimes things miss. Well. It's a relatively extensive Pokemon digression. That's fair. I like Pokemons. No, I don't have a problem with Pokemon. I, uh, I, I like, encourage my kids to, like, like the Pokemon video games and stuff. And, like, I don't know, like I said, I was interested in Pokemon card collecting to some extent when I was younger and stuff. I, I don't actually have, I have a problem with Pokemon. You know everybody has that sweet, I had a Charizard story, right? I had a Charizard, and mine was made of gold. Did you get it at McDonald's? Uh-huh. Nice. Actually, no. That is the one that you could get at McDonald's. I got it out of a hole on the side of the road that my dad found it in. <laughs> I wonder if that's worth anything. Some McDonald's toys actually are. Especially when they like something like that that's made of metal and durable. I mean, it's not made mm-hmm. of gold, but... Yeah, no, it's not actual gold. For that anyone who was listening and thought I was serious about it being made of gold. That would be fascinating. If McDonald's Happy Meals included just a solid chunk of gold, then we might have a real problem getting those to children. They, <laughs> if they just put unique Pokemon cards. I mean, in if Happy they put Meals, Pokemon cards in po- in Happy, when they put Pokemon cards in Happy Meals, it's a struggle to get them to children. But. Right. Yeah, that's that is one of the major problems with our generation. Donovan is like, as much as I like all of the like games and collectibles and and media stuff that our generation likes i it's really disappointing to me that we've created this situation where we can't make fun things for children in mcdonald's happy meals because the grown-ups will come and take them all grown-ups suck yeah and you know it's not like our parents (laughs) that are doing that when we say grown-ups in this sense we're talking about people our age you know yeah they're assholes (laughs) anyway uh Looks like you can buy one of those Charizards on eBay for $5. Oh, okay. I was actually expecting it to be more, because, I don't know. I thought that might be the sort yeah, of... Yeah, I thought it might be, like, might... 20 or $30. Yeah. Um, I thought it'd be really cool if it was a lot more, but I didn't expect more yeah, than that, I, you know? I, I wouldn't have been surprised around $20. According to this, though, they're from Burger King, not McDonald's. 
Okay. Oh, well then. I don't know if that's accurate or not. That's just what this listing says. Right. Uh, But those are things you can get at Boardwalk. (laughs) Another another way you can support the show is by visiting patreon.com slash planeswalkers, which is a really great way to support the show because it, like, puts you more in direct connection with us. It lets... It kind of gives us uh, an avenue to understanding our audience and being able to do more shows and topics and stuff that uh, that you guys you guys want to hear about. And also, you know, if you sign up for our Patreon, every single patron gets something actual uh, rewards from us in the mail to your home. Things like physical things from the show. Uh, that and another thing that you get on the Patreon is entered into our monthly giveaway where we give away the cards that we open up on this show. Speaking of which, should we do that this week, Donovan? Yeah. Fantastic. Now, I like to try and open up some, like, interesting stuff. I got, like, when Strixhaven was the the most recent set, I got a whole box of Japanese set boosters from Strixhaven because I thought that would be interesting. It turned out less interesting than I thought it would be because a lot of times we just couldn't read the cards. (laughs) And, uh, like Donovan said, Donovan... It's probably a representative of some number of, of our audience, too, would like to be able to win cards that he can actually read and That's use true. in his decks. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do in the future, but I was thinking about how, uh, so far for this month, we've only opened draft packs. Well, we opened a, a collector's booster and then draft packs. And I was like, man, maybe we should get something more interesting for this week. But then I was also like, oh, wait, this week is our limited show where we actually, like, borrow the crack-a-pack thing from uh, Limited Resources. Since we are opening up a pack on our show, we would do that whole limited thing and, and make a draft pick. So I was like, what, what can I do to make it interesting? And I figured it out. I got two packs. Whoa! <laughs> actually, I had Donovan get me two packs. but uh, So we've got two packs of Adventures in the Forgotten Realms we're going to open up this week, and we're going to make a couple of draft picks from those, and then we'll uh, talk a little bit about... Our experience playing D and D Limited. Does that sound good, Donovan? Uh, just to circle back to what we were saying a second ago, just before we get too far away. Yeah. I want to say, don't actually have a fake gold bar with Charizard printed on it at Boardwalk, <laughs> but we do actually have a real silver ball bar with Jace the Mind Sculptor printed on it at Boardwalk. Oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah, just that's a neat thing we have. I would like to see that. I don't, I don't know that I would want. To purchase that. Been on display on the shelves in there for many a year. I didn't know about it. (laughs) That's that's why I'm mentioning it's been on display on the shelves for a while, because I thought that was funny, (laughs) because you've been in there several times. Been in there three or four times in the last three or four years (laughs) since it got put on the shelves. Uh, So I've I've got a... I opened up a pack. At some point, our listeners probably heard me tearing the pack open. I've got a pack open in my hands. So, Donovan, are you ready to draft. Yes. Okay, so, you open up your pack. The cards are spread out before you on Arena. And the first card you see is a, is a rare, actually, because of the way Arena does it. We're going to go oh. the other way. I just had an idea. Oh, okay. Uh, this here, this here. Uh, Alright, go. Okay, so, we did get a basic island. A fairy dragon token. Now, the real cards... A paladin shield, 
a shambling ghast. My camera really does not like it when I hold the cards up to it. I get, or actually, it doesn't seem like the camera minds. It just does not focus on them at all. If you give it a second, it probably will. A hill giant herd gorger. How much of a second? A valor slinger. A scion of Stygia. Are you sure that card's name is Valor Slinger? Singer. Sorry. Thank you. A portion of healing. See, that one I know the name. And that one the, the camera focused on. A, you come to the Knoll Camp. You're just trying to make this hard on me. Oh, I said that one right. No, you didn't. You come to the Knoll Camp. Those are not the words you said before. Yes, they are. I said, and you come to the Knoll Camp. A manticore. And leather armor. A check for traps. A portable hole. A you meet in a tavern. And we've got a foil bag of holding. And a Grazalax Illithid Scholar. So, uh, what is it that you are doing over here? So I was reading these cards. I'm putting them into the show notes. Oh, you are? Oh, so you are. Are you going to start doing this every time so that when I publish the show notes with after the show, then people can see I thought it, it might be good for the cracker pack. All right, cool. All right, so what do you like in this pack, Donovan? Bam. Not really anything, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's not a lot of exciting stuff here. Um, the Grazalax is okay, but I, I'm, but I think that the deck that you play Grazalax in isn't very good. Right. So, like, I think Grazalax is good, but I don't know that I want to play commit to playing the Grazalax deck. Um, I think that you meet in a tavern is quite pretty good too, but there's not a good deck for that one either. Um, I think that I'd probably end up taking. The Portable Hole or the Shambling Gas? Yeah, I think those are at the top of my list here also. Although, I, uh, so, I've i got the the Herd Gorger in contention there as well. Hilltrain Herd Gorger is not bad. I just, I don't think that the deck... Like, that's the reason to pick Shambling Gas, is it goes the best in the most archetypes. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Shambling Gas is, uh... It's a really good defensive creature. What do you think of a bag of holding? Have you gotten to play with that at all? Uh, it is not especially good and limited. I mean, I think it's too slow for this format, really. So um, I don't, I don't know that I would ever want to play it. Uh, but it seems interesting. It seems like if you had time to dump resources into it o- over time, then it it would have a decent payoff, you know? Yeah. Uh. I think the problem is that both of them are tap abilities. Yeah. And so if you want to store cards there, you have to risk your opponent blowing it up and you just losing everything. Sure. So I think that it's good as a one-of in a deck where you didn't have enough playables. I think that it would be a better card in a set like um, uh, Modern Horizons 2 or something where there's a discard your own cards deck to play. Yeah. But there's not in this set, so it's just not as good. Or like if the sacrifice just didn't require the tap. Yeah, yeah. Or like so that worst case scenario, you could pay seven to draw two cards. Not even that, really. You can like draw a card and not discard a card. All right, I've miniaturized these cards. They're all over the place size wise, but I think it's fine. But um, <laughs> we're doing two of these. Uh, yeah. I mean, what did did you uh? Make make an actual pick. Do you settle on 
one of those cards you mentioned, the Shambling Gap? I think I would take Portable Hole because it's an uncommon and I'm more likely to prioritize the card that I'm not going to see again later. Yeah. Um, but I think that Shambling Gas is really close. And honestly, for similar reasons, the Grazalax, just because the more rare the card is, the less I'm worried about trying to pick it up. Or the more I'm worried about trying to pick it up early if I'm going to pick it up at all, you know? Yeah. And so it's just like, the portable hole, I think, is probably where I would go. I think right now, just like if I just open this pack right now, it's like, what am I going to take, right? I think I take the Herd Gorger. And not because I think it's necessarily the best pick, but because I'm interested right now in trying to play the uh, red-green deck. Mm. And, uh, and I think that it's a fairly close pick in this pack. I don't think anything is great. I would kind of... Did you find a good way to standardize those? It looked like you resized a couple real quick there. Uh, yeah. Look at that. Alright. There we go. So I think I'm I think I'm going to take the the Herd Gorger. But I, I think you're probably right, Shambling. Yes, it's the be- best pick. For anyone who's listening for, like, advice about what the correct pick is out of a pack like this, I think that they, I, I've got to go with go with you on the shambling gas uh yeah but I, i'm gonna take the herd i think that this is kind of a weak pack as far as a pick one goes yeah i think i like this pack a lot better later in the draft when i know what i'm playing sure because i think that the um paladin shield is a card that i want in some decks um the shambling gas is very good the hill giant same thing is is something that i i need in some decks you know like it's like yeah. oh i need a big thing you know sure um, the life gain's not irrelevant on there. No, it's the not. Potion of Healing and the Scion of Sigia are great role players and specific types, archetypes and stuff. Yeah, I also think that, like, with the Herd Gorger, the 7-6, like, uh, Power and Toughness, that's a lot bigger than, like, anything else you can expect to see in this format. Like, even the dragons yeah. and stuff are, like, often 5-5s, five you know? So, like... Yeah, the Worm's an uncommon... So you'll see it quite often, but it's still an eight seven, so it's only one bigger and still trades with the Hergurger. Right, and uh, and if you're playing, I think black green or red green, you have a pretty good shot of having a treasure token laying around by the time you get to five mana, and so like you can get this guy out on five, and as a seven six on like turn five or something, that's that's pretty powerful play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got another pack to do, so I'm gonna get into it here. Yeah, I think, though, the black-red deck and the black-white deck are probably the best decks in this format. Oh, really? Um, oh, I'm sorry, you said black-red and black-white. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yes, I, I think I agree there. Sorry, I was thinking about the two Venture decks. Um, I, uh, I was just yeah. not actually paying attention to what you are saying, I guess. Um, I have not seen the red-green or the red-white deck that you mentioned represented very well. Oh, yeah? Um. But it's just my own limited experience, you know? Sure. Uh, so I'm just saying, like, my experience, the black-white deck and the red-black deck have been the best ones. Sure. I mean, that's that's pretty close here. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it a little later on. Um, but that's, that's not mm-hmm. that far off from what I had listed anyway, I don't think. Uh, all right, but pack two, we we got ourselves a wolf token. A wolf? A wolf. We got a basic planes. Uh-huh. And sorry, reorganize the pack a bit. Because I, I I just like to, to leave the exciting thing for last, so 
We have a common that's exciting? No, I just, uh, I, I, when there's a foil in the pack, I hate to, like, do the cool card and me. Oh, and also this foil, whatever, you know, uh, to check. Check for foil and stick it somewhere else in the pack. Um, alright, so we've got a Dawnbringer Cleric, a Fates Reversal. You let me know if I need to slow down. A touch slower than you're going would be great. A Scaled Herbalist. We've got a, another Valor Singer. And a Clever Conjurer. A plus two Mace. And I've got a Ranger's Hawk. A Dire Wolf Prowler. A You See a Guard Approach. A Foil Half-Elf Monk. A... Moon Blessed Cleric, a Dimmy Gorgon's Clutches, and we've got a Farida, Devil's Chosen. What was that card? It's the blue-red uh, signpost uncommon. Mm-hmm. And then we got a rare, right? Yeah, We and this time, we got a cool one. Well, it's a cool one, for sure. R.I.P. Grazalax. It's a Bard class. Oh, you lied to me. Did I lie? It's kind of funny. We, I, I really like it when we get these cracker packs where the rare is just terrible for limited. What is the bard? Oh, right. It's the legendary creatures one. Yeah, it is bad. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Actually, I mean, I guess I'm not sorry to you. I, I, in fact, having a bad rare in a for our our like cracker pack isn't that big. Isn't that bad? It's kind of like, hey, all right, cool. And we can actually. I'd say it was a bad rare. I just said it's not good for. Limited. Okay, that makes it a bad rare. <laughs> we can, you know, like have a conversation about what the what the best pick is and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. But it does kind of suck for whoever wins wins these cards. You're like, ah, it's too bad. But you got two packs, so stop complaining. Yeah, they should get some other stuff too. Yeah, I mean, just like this week, you got two, but you got extra pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I actually put these away. I thought oh, I'll, I'll just look at the cards on the screen, but. I'm, it's going to be easier for me. They're tiny? I did make them kind of tiny. It's all good. I'm familiar with the cards, so I don't need to read them. But this gives something for any audience members who do get the show notes to look at. Sure. You know, those uh, Patreon patrons to mm-hmm. check out our show notes every week. Um, it's actually our highest tier gets gets the show notes right now because like they're supposed to get all of the stuff. We do like the video that I record and stuff like that. Uh, but I haven't been getting things, like, edited and, like, that post-production stuff done. And so, like, right now, like, they're just kind of just getting the show notes. So I, was, I, I might have mentioned this to you before, but I was thinking about reorganizing things so that, like, one of our lower tiers gets the show notes and coming up with something else to offer the high tier. Because show notes are something that people might actually want, but may not want to pay, like, the high dollar tier to get just the show notes, basically. Yeah, I was thinking about reorganizing that and making the show notes a little more available to people. Uh, yeah, it might be good. Yeah, especially since I especially for episodes like this one. Yeah, and I get them posted pretty regularly. Like having the visual for the cracker pack is nice. Yeah, sorry, we I always get basic lands from the set. I just you could always like take a photo of it and pop that into our Discord too. That might might be not be a bad idea, and it's something I could just like do tomorrow, and it would still come. It would still be in there before show came out. I could do it Wednesday or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, out of this pack... Uh, what are you eyeing? Here's, I went first last time. Here's the thing. Uh, the Bard class, like you said, is no good and limited. And our uh, blue-red guy 
the, the tiefling is mm-hmm. also really bad. Is it? I thought it was quite good if you're playing that deck. Mm, okay, I but that deck is bad. To playing that deck. I, it's kind of like you were saying about the uh, Grazalax, except even more so. It's like, taking this card is... I mean, it doesn't commit you to anything in particular. You can take it and then not play that deck. But that's a dual-color card to take first pick. And he might be good in that deck, but that deck is really bad. Um... I think it's better than, like, the green-black deck. Is it? I See, the green-black deck is one of those I, like, just haven't heard anything about or seen at all. It's it's impossible to build. You just can't build it. Really? If you want to play green-black, you can. You just have to play good stuff. The deck for it is just not there. The cards don't exist. Okay. Well, I mean, that supports some of what I what I have heard heard about this format and, like... But... But... Um, I think... Well, is there something you are eyeing? Like, um, you to pick. sorry, I was going back through. I'm the cards. fairly confident of my pick. Uh, I'm probably looking at the uh, maybe the clever conjurer. Yeah, I think my pick here would be the moon blessed cleric. Yeah, yeah, I think that not this class, but some the white classes are especially good. And if I can end up with one of those, mm-hmm. having a card that tutors for it will be amazing. And then oh, white yeah. has some other good stuff like some uh. Like enchantment like, removal. Not removal for enchantments, but removal that yeah. is an enchantment. Yeah, does it? Well, isn't a... Portable holds an artifact. Oh, yeah, it is. Is minimus containment not an enchantment? Yeah, it's got minimus containment and, and stuff. minimus yeah, containment got... actually, a, I think, a pretty good removal spell. Yeah, and so I think that white's got some really good enchantments, and if and there's some other enchantments that are good, like um, if you end up playing black-white, which is one of the better decks, Yeah. Um, the... The step one, what's that called? Um, but the three mana, give a creature minus two, minus two aura that ventures in the dungeon. And if you've completed a dungeon, gives the thing minus four, minus four. Or minus five, minus five, I think. I don't know what it's called, but... Um, yeah, th- I think you're right. I, I hadn't hadn't really considered the, the Moonblessed Cleric. Uh, but it's also just like a three, two for three is fine. It's like it's not exciting um, in this set, but like that's 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 not bad. Precipitous Drop, that's the name of the card. The black one that I was trying to think of. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think that the... I, I like the Cleric. Yeah, I think... Um, I, think I, I would really like to get it with a Cleric class or a Paladin class, but getting Precipitous Drop or Minimus Containment, um, then, like, Blue-White's not a terrible deck if you've got the the right stuff for it. And so, like... Right. Um, monk class isn't bad, or wizard wizard class is actually pretty good too. So okay, yeah, it's that that sound that sounds like a good pick. I think uh, I think I'm just gonna hop on board with you there. Uh, I don't think that the um, there's some other ones that I don't think are are bad. Um, I haven't really found this. It was scholar something scholar, right? Something scholar. Clever. What? Oh the. Or are you talking about the herbalist? The scaled herbalist? No, the, it's the conjurer. The clever conjurer? That guy, yeah. Um, I, I don't know why you would first pick that. So I'm <laughs> I'm not big on that pick. I don't think it's terrible. I just don't know well, if that's a first pick card. I mean, the other thing I was considering would be like the Demogorgon's clutches. There's not... I don't think that's bad. I think really the other things I would really consider like. are the... Some venture cards like Fates Reversal or the Ranger's Hawk. Yeah, the um, Ranger's Hawk was. I, was, I considered the Dire Wolf too. Prowler. 
I have the same. Yeah. That card's pretty good. Okay. So like those are things I think I think that like Dawnbringer Cleric or um Scaled Herbalist, like I could see those picks. Um but I, I really like the cleric and I think that if you really wanted to commit to playing like a, a flyers deck early, maybe grabbing the Rangers Hawk, but I don't know that I'd want to do that pack one, pick one, you know? Yeah, I I considered the Rangers Hawk. I was looking at the Demogordon's clutches, the rain or the Rangers Hawk, uh, or the Clever Conjurer, really, because those seem like the the standout cards from my experience in here. But I I hadn't even considered the Moonblust Cleric, uh, mostly because I don't think I've really seen it before. Like you know, not that I like. What is this card? I've never we like we you know we went through all the cards and looked at them. But when but, like. You're, what you've played on Arena and stuff, you haven't... Yeah. Like, card hasn't come up. Yeah, it hasn't come up. I hadn't really thought about it. Um, when I had... Like, when I glanced over it as we were looking through the cards, I'm like, oh, yeah, it does a thing with enchantments. I don't really care. Um, but when you mention it, like, there probably is a good a number good number of enchantments worth taking. I think it's probably also a smart pick. Um, and the Direwolf Prowler is probably uh, better than I was than I was giving it credit for, too. Um, I know that blue is really weak in this format. You know, I always have a, I have a tendency to, to play blue stuff. And I, I think the Clever Conjure is actually pretty good. Um, is like, since he, he hits permanence, um, not just like creatures or whatever. Yeah, mana dork. Yeah, you can do a mana dork. Um, he, he can untap a land. Yeah, or your uh, deck of many things. Yep, and do artifacts, or, you know, he can... That's what I meant by calling him a mana dork, is that he untaps oh, a land. Oh, he's, he's... I thought you said he could... I thought you were saying he could untap a mana dork. No, I was saying he is a mana dork. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or er, a mana nerd. <laughs> sure. He's functionally a mana nerd. And, uh... And, you know, 2-3 is relevant stats, so... Somebody at my college was saying mana nerd instead of dork, and somebody else... It was like, it's Mana Dork. And so the rest of us just called it Mana Nerd the rest of our tenure there. Yeah. Just, just it's like, because it doesn't matter. Was, was that? Everyone knew what the person was talking about, you know? Right. And so it's just like, no, you're just being a dick. What, what, like, was the guy being a dick someone that I would know? Or, or did he get ostracized? Have heard people mentioned him. He was, he was never somebody people liked. Okay. But he, we all, we hung out and played magic in a public area, sure. and so he could come in and hang out with us, whether we liked it or not. Right, right. Is it's just the kind of person that would quibble over whether you're calling it a mana dork or a mana nerd. It's just not a fun person. Nope. They uh, they had, they knew some rulings that even level five judges got wrong. So. Oh, um, I and I now I feel like the the answer here is is meant to be implied, but, like, I'm, I'm not really sure which which way you were going with this, is that they were such a rule stickler that they they liked these kinds of things, or they claimed to have been given bad rulings or whatever, because they... They claimed to know better than level 5 judges, which don't exist. Oh, okay, see. For the record. That's a detail that I, that I didn't know. Um, I think there was a time when I would have, because I used to listen to, to the... Judge Cast judge podcast Cast. back when it was good, um, mm-hmm. and back when like the judge program was robust. But but yeah, that that kind of went right over my head. I think level fours used to exist, but they got rid of them when they restructured the judge system like five or six years ago. Yeah, I think. But mm, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about this. 
But I think, if I remember correctly, there's, like, unofficially a level 5, because there's, like, some, like, the head of the judge program, they, like, sometimes jokingly referred to as, like, the level 5 judge or something. Well, they, I think now they might, that person might be an L4, but L3 is as high as it goes now. Yeah, well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but that's just, I still, I still enjoy calling them mana nerds sometimes. Sure. No, and as you should. Really, it would have, I would have loved if somebody had pointed out to that guy, mana dork isn't an official term. Just be like, no, you you can't call it a mana dork. Yeah, I think we did. I think we're like, that's none of them are real words. Right. <laughs> Neither thing has actual meaning. So, going on to our topic for the evening. <laughs> oh yeah, you want you want to talk about some uh some limited some some draft. Here's the thing, is, uh, this is something I've said to you, I don't think I've said it on the, on the episode yet, uh, but I, like, basically have not played this set, and, like, it just goes all the way back to the fact that, um, I didn't get to do my little pre-order thing, and, like, that really, like, kind of... Threw off your rhythm. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's a good way to put it. I was thinking, like, kind of just, like, punctured my enthusiasm, like, right from the get-go, and, like, this set didn't really... Do what? Uh, there's a TV show called Curb Your Enthusiasm, oh, so it's yeah, so it like, it curbed your enthusiasm. It did, indeed. Um, but, like, also, this set didn't really grab me to begin with anyway. Um, I wasn't I'm sorry, super bro. excited about it. I mean, I think it's just, like, what I said when we were reviewing the cards. It's, like, it's like they designed this set to be interesting for people who do, don't already play Magic, specifically people who play D&D, not mm-hmm. really specifically for people who are into Magic, you know? And, and and that's fine. Like, that's okay. It's just, it didn't, like, I was like, oh, okay, this looks cool for D&D players, which I guess I am one of those also, but, like, I'm not super into it, so I don't know. It just didn't grab me, really. And then on top of all that, so, like, that that was true for the first, what, week or two. It was just that. I just wasn't getting to play very much. And then last week, I was like, oh, but I need to play this coming week because we've got our limited show to do. And I intended to, but then I, my daughter had a birthday, and my son, who doesn't live with me, was in town this last week. So, like, I was just really busy. I've also been working extra this last weekend. I had to work when I normally don't. As opposed to your son, who does live with you? No, as opposed to my children, who, like... I've got two daughters I know, who I'm just, live with me. I'm just joking. Yes, I know, but now <laughs> the audience doesn't know. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I have two girls who live with me. Those are my daughters. And then I have a boy, and he does not live with me. So he was in town to visit me. And I had one of my daughters had a birthday, and I was working extra. I was just been really busy. One of your daughters who lives with you? or So, so I didn't play. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't play at all this last week, so I'm still going off of the, like, one draft and the uh, sealed pre-release that I've done already. But I've been, you know, paying attention. Did you get to listen to LR? I did. I listened to what Limited Resources had to say. That's where I'm getting going to be pulling a lot of my information from, to be frank. Um, I'm, you know, not going to just rip off their evaluation of the format, uh, but their, their opinions inform my own generally, and then on top of that, I uh, don't have much of my own this this time. So I'm going to rely uh, real heavily on Donovan 
Um, but I've made some notes from the stuff that I've heard about the format, some things that I've noticed, and uh, some, like questions that I had. So, Donovan, uh, how how do you want to approach this? I, I don't know. Limited is your thing. Yeah, I don't. I have opinions about the format, but I didn't know I was supposed to structure how we're gonna. No, no. I mean, we can, if you want, I can just like get, start talking about my thoughts that I jotted down here, and and uh, you know, you can add to that. And okay. Um, I, I just was asking you because I know that you've probably actually played some. Uh, certainly, you've played yeah, I've more played than quite I a bit. I think the the limited format for this set's almost as fun as Strixhaven. Really, and since it's new, I've enjoyed playing it just instead. Okay. And, uh, and also, like, you're saying, like, limited is my thing, and, like, yeah, and, like, you're really gracious to, like, kind of let me have that on this show, but, like, to be frank, even though I may be, like, more interested in limited than you are, like, you're just so much better at magic, generally, than I am, that you're probably better at limited than I am, so, like, your opinions are probably more valuable anyway. I just wanted you to handle how we're going to structure this episode. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's start with kind of like looking at the uh, the the format from a broader perspective. Um, yeah. uh, one one thing that I I don't know if this is something that I've gotten from limited resources. Actually, I do know that I got it from limited resources. I don't know if they like made this concept up or if they like picked it up from the community. You know, but. Uh, there's a thing that they've talked about on that show before about like whether a set is like a prince or a pauper format. Yeah. And those generally get defined as whether this set relies more heavily on the rares or the commons and uncommons, right? Like, are you picking out your bombs and then building your deck to play whatever bombs you have? Or are you just like getting all the good role player cards and then building a, a strong like synergistic deck and 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 I bring that up because like I'm kind of getting the the feeling that this the set is more of a print sort of format except it's not so much about taking rares over the commons and uncommons but just that the card power level individually is more important than getting all those synergies together and there are some uh- some sp- I do disagree with that, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think there are synergy decks like the uh, uh, like the venture decks, and like venture mm-hmm. individually is kind of lame. Like the payoffs are just too small to to make a big difference individually. But when you play a bunch of them, it's really strong. And so if you build mm-hmm. the the venture deck in either like black white or blue white, either one can be a pretty good deck. Uh, but, like, if you just play red-black good stuff, that's probably better. And, like, not only did that play out when you and I played each other uh, at our, like, pre-release, but also that that's, like, what I've heard from other sources, you know? It's, like, just, like, red-black good stuff will just beat the hell out of, out of those decks. And, like, having just a couple cards with a good pack tactics ability in your deck will can just run a game over just with those individual cards, even if you have nothing else that's like a pack tactic synergy, because like the synergy there is just creatures, you know? Okay. And then the other... Um, Sorry, go ahead. In my experience in this format, if you have the cards for one of the the, the decks that you can play... Yeah. Like the... I, I think that there's a... Um, the thing that I think is interesting to look at sets is whether 
the spoon-fed archetypes are better than playing good stuff. Yeah. Is something that I think is... And I think that that's what you're kind of getting at here, is you were saying that the playing good stuff is better than the spoon-fed archetypes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but I, I don't... I don't think so. Okay. I think if you play the Black Red Treasures deck or you play the Black White Venture deck, it's going to be better than what the other people are doing. And that's true for most of the archetypes here. But the problem is it's really hard to get the cards to play some of the archetypes. Okay. Some of the archetypes, the cards for it are too good in other decks or the uh, or the archetype is a little bit weaker in a couple of cases, or they're just not enough cards for the archetype in the the pool, you know? Yeah. To make it good enough. And so I, I think if you can play one of the archetypes, it's going to be better than anything else. It's just forcing an archetype is not going to work. Okay. So playing a good stuff deck is safer and easier than getting some of the archetypes sometimes. Okay, well, what, what I'm hearing... And and the, and a little bit of this has has borne out from what I experienced. So like that's why I'm just kind of like oh, okay, this sounds right to me. Is basically that like the uh, the blue red like dice rolling deck is just bad, and like it's just bad because you kind of need three things to make it work, which is uh, a a card that allows you to roll dice, a card that pays you off for rolling dice, and uh, the condition that makes you roll the dice. And, like, that third one isn't necessarily that hard to get. Usually it's built into the first one, right? Uh, but those other two, like the card that lets you roll dice and the card that pays you off for rolling dice, aren't always the same card. And that, like, needing to have both those cards and then set up that situation is just creating so many hoops for you to jump through that in, like, a limited environment it's just unlikely that you're going to actually get to do it often enough. And not just, like, get the cards to put it into your deck, but then once you play that deck, actually doing it often enough to utilize that mechanic just doesn't happen. Yeah, I think that the blue-red dice deck is very hard to get the cards for. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's better to, if you're playing blue-red, it's still worth evaluating which of the cards for the blue-red dice deck you have and which ones are worth playing. Yeah, because like if you're if you've got contact other planes, which is blue and three instant roll a dice at minimum, you're going to draw two cards. Like you want that in your limited deck, right? Sure. I, well, see that that's part of the thing though. Is like you want that if you're playing blue, right? Like you want that mm -hmm. effect. But since it's a blue card, you kind of like you want that if you're willing to play blue. And mm -hmm. if blue is just bad and like the archetypes that include blue are generally bad. Like, it's kind of like, well, this... Well, I was going to say, I was I was building on that, though. Okay, get, go on. Let's say if you, if you have that, and if you have Farida's Fireball, um, five mana, deal five damage to a creature, and, and then deal two damage to each player or better, right? Okay. Based on what dice... Like, you're going to play that card if you're, if you're playing a, the colors that play that card, right? Sure. Um, and then, like, if you have this... Two mana, two one. That when he comes in, that you can pay six mana to draw a card, or if you roll a good dice, you can look at the top three and put one in your hand. Like probably play that, right? Okay. And I think there's like a two mana, two one with flash that when he comes into play, taps a creature, and if you roll the dice well, it freezes it. Mm -hmm. 
like that's also a card you're gonna play, right? So if you have Probably. those cards and you're in your pool mm-hmm. and you and you think that the blue red is where you ended up, also including the one mana the two mana one three that says when you roll a dice, deal damage to each opponent. Or the two mana one three of flying that says when you roll a dice you roll two instead and take you can ignore one result. Yeah. Like I think putting those cards in your deck that's gonna roll dice anyways because you took this fireball and this this better divination and this um, frost creature and the uh, and stuff like that mm-hmm. I think is good and I I have seen decks like that be very good. Okay. But I think that the it's hard to do the dice rolling deck because everybody's taking your dice rolling cards. Sure. Anybody playing blue is going to want your good blue dice rolling cards. Yeah. And in, and stuff like that. So I think if you end up with some of those, that's that's good. But I think you want to not prioritize drafting the dice rolling, like the, the cards that give you benefits when rolling dice, and you just play which ones you have in your deck. Yeah. Is how you want to build that deck. And maybe if you're like, okay, I'm playing blue red and I have all these dice rolling cards, you can try to get the... I think it, Farida's the one that says if you roll a good number, you get to draw a card and get to fly or something like that, right? Uh, the signpost uncommon we had in our stuff? Uh, that one, you, you end up drawing a card if you roll good. Yeah, it gains flying when you roll, and if you roll good, it, you get to draw a card. Oh, okay. Is that what you said? No, I think I said it back. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's like a Three, three, four, four. So I give you. I think if you've already noticed that you've got some of that stuff, like getting this or getting barbarian class, mm-hmm. is probably not bad. Um, but I don't think I. I but I think you're going to end up with the pixies that let you roll additional dice, or the um, the guy that lets, deals one damage to your opponent whenever you roll dice as like fourteenth picks out of packs and stuff. So you don't have to worry about getting them. And so getting the dice synergy cards is not something you want to prioritize when drafting. Yeah, but that deck can actually be quite powerful. Okay, I think I wonder. I kind of wondered if uh, if if you and I would disagree on this because I think this is true in constructed also, but it seems to have played out in our discussions about limited. Is that like you seem to really focus on building synergy decks? As so I wonder if like mm-hmm. since you're really good at that, if it like works out more for you even in the formats where that doesn't work out as well I mean, for other people you know that might be why in this format black white venture has been far and away the best deck for me yeah and that the sources you said had said red black was best mm-hmm. because the black white venture deck is a synergy deck yeah because fulfilling the dungeons is more powerful than anything else you can do in the format the first few levels are not good you know yeah and so it's like finishing off the dungeons, any of them, if the last step is good. Sure. Lost Minds of Fandelver is just draw a card on the last one, but you got that one has medio, medium good stuff all along it, right? Yeah, also, um, from what I hear, the Lost Mine of Fandelver is really the only dungeon you want to be doing, uh, because you can do it twice in the time that it would take you to do the other good one. Yeah, but if you do the other good one, it's better than doing the Lost Mine of Fandelver twice. Uh, yes, if you, like, do both of them, like, if you do, if you do all of one or twice of the other, but, like, if, like, when you're starting into the dungeon, you don't know for sure that you're gonna finish it, and so, like, being able to finish the Lost Mine of Fandelver and then start it again is better than getting halfway through the, like, dungeon of the I think if you're playing the Black-White, 
black-white venture deck or a black anything. Like, if you're playing the venture decks, specifically the black-white one because it's the best at it, mm -hmm. you can play Dungeon of the Mad Mage. That's fine. I went through it twice in a game one time. <laughs> um, so it's just like, I think any of the venture decks, you can do the Lost Mage or Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Yeah. And that's fine. But the black-white venture deck especially you can. Okay. Um, but the Lost Mine of Phandelver is generally where you want to be unless you are playing an aggro deck that just has a few venture cards in it, then you want to do the, um, the, what's the one with the Acropole at the end? Um, I don't remember. Is that the Yawning Portal or something? I think that's when the name of, like, the first room on that one or something. Um. You didn't get any dungeon cards in those packs? You didn't get a skeleton or goblin token or an no, Acropole? No, I didn't, but I... <laughs> We've got a Dungeon of the Mad Mage in our Collector Booster, and a Dungeon of the Mad Mage in our other pack that we opened this month. Tomb of Annihilation. That's the other yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. I think if you were playing an aggro deck that just has some venture cards, the Tomb of Annihilation is where you want to be. Sure. Um, Like the red-green deck probably wants to do Tomb of Annihilation every time. Yeah. Um, But, so I'm just saying, like, I think that in Limited... You want to do Lost Mine of Phandelver, unless you're a dedicated venture deck, then you can pick if you want to do the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Yeah. Um, but the Dungeon of the Mad Mage is very hard to get through. Most of the times, the only times I've done the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, other than like a dedicated black-white venture deck, is because I really needed to gain one life. And that's okay. the first step. Sure. <laughs> so I'm just like, man, I need one life right now, please. I'll take one life and just... The rest of this dungeon's fine, you know? Right. Because really, like, the if you're not going to finish either dungeon, it's basically the same. You're going to get a scry one, you're going to get a treasure token, like, yeah. out of both of them, you know? Sure. So it's just, like, fine. So in our, our sort of, like, format breakdown, looking at the different archetypes that, like, Watsi set up for us, we, we kind of had a discussion about the blue-red dice deck, and the other... Uh, blue X deck that I heard is just really bad is like the blue green ramp deck, and yeah, that one seems to be quite bad. Probably the and second worst archetype in the format. And uh, and a big part of why it's bad from from what I hear, this is not something I've I've had any particular experience with. From what I hear is basically there's just not any control decks in this environment. It's just a fast aggressive environment, and the like control deck doesn't exist. Like you, you just get run over. Yeah, if you by all the aggro decks. Yeah, and like if you want to to play a more controlling deck, you can. You can do that. You can play a slower, more controlling deck. But the way it looks in this format is just like a mid range deck. You're just playing. Yeah. Slight. You're just playing a step slower, slightly bigger stuff, and then you're you're not the beatdown player in the matchup, so you're the control player. But you're but there's not actually like a control deck that'll give you time to ramp up to your Leviathan or whatever. So this blue-green ramp strategy just doesn't work. Yeah, no, I played I played a, to a one blue-green deck that kind of worked out for me, and I had two copies of the Signpost Uncommon, and I had a Volos. Yeah. And I had the Circle of the Dreams Druid that taps for a green for each creature you control. Like, I had a lot of cards for it, and it was kind of mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like... I agree. I think the blue-green deck's kind of weak. The only deck that's worse than that is the black-green deck. Yeah, so the black-green deck, I hadn't, like, heard anyone mention or seen at all 
I was like, I had to remind myself what black green does when I was like making notes about this. And like it as like the signpost uncommon for black green, like cares about things dying. Is that right? Yeah. Black green is a morbid deck. Yeah. Um, but the, the cards aren't there for that. They just, they, there's some payoff cards, but no enablers. You don't have anything that's going to give you the ability to have creatures that die every turn. Except for there's one rare that makes a skeleton every turn. Okay, there's are there like no good sacrifice outlets or no good recurring there's a, creatures? There's a couple or... good sacrifice outlets, but there's not any good recurring creatures like, and there's not no any tokens. good token generation. Okay. Um, it seems like they were wanting you to get your token generation from your dungeons, maybe, because they, they make some tokens. But, that's but you have to deck. cycle through the dungeons so quickly in order to make tokens for that, that that's just not going to happen, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, I see. And so it's just, it's just, the cards for that one aren't here. Like, right. the, the deck would be, the payoffs are quite good. Like, the, the black-green signpost uncommons, like, if a creature died on your turn, you can pay two life to draw a card. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty good, and I think it can sacrifice creatures for some effect as well. Um, the the zombie ogre that ventures on your instep if a creature died is quite good. The purple worm that costs is an 8-7 with, I think, ward 2 that costs only 5 if a creature died this turn. Like, the payoff cards are quite good in that deck, and I think if they were, if you could get the enablers, it would be great, but there aren't any enablers. Do you think it'd be possible, like, if you just loaded yourself up with payoff cards and other creatures, would it be possible to just get the payoff by, like, just running I dudes think that into the... your enemies' dudes? No, because you'll, you'll run out of dudes. Right, but, like, some of these things, like the, uh, the purple worm, you don't need to repeatedly activate that. You just need a creature to die, and then, bam, payoff, you know? Yeah, I mean, that one's a good card. I don't... Sure. And I'm, so I'm just saying, like, if I play black-green, I end up just playing a good stuff deck and ignoring the the synergies because okay. there's not a way to do the synergies. You just go like, oh, well, this card's slightly better when things die. <laughs> right. Um, And so, like, if there was a good token generation in other colors that weren't that one, mm-hmm. then maybe you could do stuff like, oh, I ran my 3-5 into my opponent's chump blocker, and so I get to trigger this instep thing, you know? Yeah. But the other colors aren't really any better at making tokens either. So it's just like, I think I think that one needed to be Revolt, not Morbid, so that you could sack treasures to do the trigger. Okay. And then it would be good. But I think they just missed a little bit on that one. Yeah. And they needed to go for a permanent you control left the battlefield, not a creature died. Okay. Well, uh, while we're on the topic of the decks that I haven't played or heard anything about, what about green-white? Do you know what's going on with the green-white deck? Uh... I think the green-white deck is one of those decks that gets is really good if you get the cards for it. Yeah. I had it in a sealed one time, but it's really hard to play in draft because the cards for it are so good in any other deck that is playing those colors. Okay. That you because it's, it's life gain is what that deck is. Okay. And the there's a Trelasarara is the signpost on comments a two mana two two legendary creature says when you gain life, you get to put a plus one, plus one counter on it and scry one. Yeah. It's like just better a Johnny's Pride Mate, but legendary, right? Sure. Um, and then there's also a three mana, three two that says whenever you gain life, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Mm-hmm. And then there's Cleric class that says that the second class 
step on it is whenever you gain life, you can put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control. Sure. So, like, there's some really good cards for that deck. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that the Unicorn's fine in any deck playing white. The Cleric class is one of the best cards to be playing in the entire format. Sure. So, like, people are going to take those anyways. Yeah. Your Hill Giant Herd Gorger is one of your life gain enablers, but you want that in any green deck. Sure. Um, yeah, I was just saying I want that in the red-green. Yeah, and so it's just, like, the the cards for that one just get taken by everybody. Okay. So it has, like, and the same so problem the blue-red deck has. Yeah, I think it has the same problem the blue-red deck has, except for it's the cards that are actually for this archetype. Like, even the payoff cards. You're like, the blue-red cards, your enablers are getting poached, and in the, yeah. the green-white deck your enablers just and all of the cards are getting poached. everything is getting poached because everybody likes having more life points sure it's like okay like okay i get you, you. know maybe that's why i just haven't seen this deck come up at all i haven't seen i think you can probably see it more in sealed or, if you play or more heard sealed. anyone mention it either <laughs> no one's like oh i played green white it's like it's just not a deck because the green x decks and the white x decks are all poaching the cards yeah Okay, and the other one that I have, like, heard nothing on, so this is, like, three three different decks, I have no idea what's going on, is uh, Blue-Black. And I get the impression, but again, Blue is just, like, by far the weakest color in this set. And mm -hmm. uh, and if I remember correctly, the Blue-Black blue mechanic was kind of like a, a Slith-style mechanic. It's like, yeah. if, if your creature it's hits an opponent... Combat damage to your opponent. Yeah, then they, they get a bonus. So... I think the problem with this one is that all of the good cards for it are black. Oh, yeah? And play well in the black-white deck. So if okay. you have them, it's better to just be playing the black-white deck. Okay. And I, I was thinking, like, Thieves Tools is kind of an enabler for this, but, like, it's just yeah. too slow. Like, you don't want to be spending... No, Thieves Tools, card Thieves Tools is Thieves a good Tools. card. Thieves Tools is a good card. You just want it in the black-white deck, and you want to put it on your white creature that says whenever it attacks, you venture in the dungeon. <laughs> Okay. And so, it's just like, sure, that card's great in a different deck. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, I think that the blue-black deck is too similar to the black-white deck and has too many cards that overlap with it. And so, if you play that, the white cards are better than the blue cards. So, yeah. it's really weird for you to be stuck in that deck. I've done it a few times because I like this limited environment and I like the black cards especially. Mm -hmm. So, I've played black everything in this format. Okay. Even, um, even the black-green. Yeah, even the black-green. Like, I've tried to do it uh, several times, and I have not been able to play the the archetype. I've yeah. just ended up going, like, okay, black-green, here's here's my 8-7. How do you deal with this? Sure. And that's fine, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I got this 8-7 into play. <laughs> Fight me. Yeah. And uh, I guess since, since we've covered all the other blue decks, it seems like if you want to play blue, like, say you've got that contact other plane, which, like is objectively a really good card. It just, mm -hmm. like like I was saying, blue is really weak in this format, so, like, I there's a lot of times when I would take that as, like, a first pick, but in this format, I might hesitate to take it, because I'd be like, well, I probably don't want to be playing blue. But, I don't know, say you have that, and you want to play blue, it seems like the deck to play is the blue-white venture deck. I guess, I felt like the blue-white venture deck has always just felt like a worse version of the black-white one. Yeah. Um... But I don't think it's terrible. I haven't played it enough, though, to really be sure. I have splashed blue in my black-white venture deck. Mm -hmm. And so I think, like, Hama Pashar, the signpost uncommon, is very good. 
That card's quite good. Yeah. Um, I think Fly is a very good card. Okay. Um, but I I think that I haven't played the blue white venture deck much. I think. Um, there's also blue white. Also has some the other syner- the synergy that's specific to blue white though. I think mm-hmm. is the casting multiple spells in a turn. Yeah. Stuff. Um, and so there's a couple synergies with that too. So, uh, like. So, so I sorry, I guess I guess kind of got lost there in the middle of my sentence. You're right. Uh, it's like the monk class card exemplifies that a lot, but yeah, that's been the main reason I've seen to play uh, blue white was if I had a monk class. I'm just like, okay, well, this card's really good. Sure. Um, I guess it it seems like white has a lot of really strong venture stuff, and black is a good support color that like also has venture stuff and blue is kind of a good support color usually like in this set less so than normally but like it's got some things and so if you uh if you want to play a white x venture deck black white and blue white both work yeah and maybe black white is the better version of it but you're not always going to be able to get that deck but you might get enough white venture stuff that you still want to go with the white x venture yeah I think that's true. I'm also kind of getting the impression that, uh, and this isn't something I've heard at all, and like maybe I would like to experiment with it, is that maybe we kind of want to push more towards like three color decks. I know that the um, the col- the color fixing isn't as good in this set as we've. Seen I think that in the three past. colors is easy in this set. Oh really? The color fixing is very good in this set. Okay. Well, I was gonna say I think that we have evolving wilds and we have the. Uh, Temple, Temple of the, the Dragon Queen. Dragon Queen, and so like I think you could do it, and it seems like there is a lot of overlap because like there's a black white venture deck and a blue white venture deck, and there's like yeah, so like the black white venture deck and the blue white venture deck and the blue black touch you deck, yeah, all have good overlap because the black like several of the venture creatures care about attacking, and so using the blue black cards that keep your creatures from dying when they attack or make yeah. it so your opponent doesn't want to block them mm-hmm. is slightly better. Sure. You know? So like that those cards all work well together. Um the black red stuff with treasures and sacrificing them. Yeah. Like those cards do like having the black green cards that care about a creature dying can be very good in that deck. It's just not gonna you're not gonna be able to make your creatures die every turn, but sometimes whenever you sacrifice stuff, you will be able to make your black green cards better too, you know? Yeah. So and like the black black, red and green with that works. Um And also isn't uh isn't there like the best threaten effect we've had in a really long time in, in is in this set, right? Like it's got a red threaten that can work really well with those sacrifice outlets. Uh price of loyalty? Yeah, price of loyalty. Uh, if you spend treasure on it, it gives plus two plus zero. Yeah, if you sp- that doesn't seem that great. You don't think so? Nah, it's just a threatened that's slightly better if you sack the treasure. Yeah, um, but you can have treasure land that makes it cost two basically, and so it's like a two mana plus two plus zero and threaten. I don't know. Seems good. I have not seen that card matter. Um, but yeah, I think that that could be good though. In I, so I think there is a lot... They did a good job of making overlapping color combinations mm-hmm. overlap with archetypes. Yeah. Yeah, and like like I was saying, the red-green deck really likes to have some treasures laying around, which is what the red-black deck wants to make. Yeah, because it makes it easier to play your big creatures. Right. Um, 
I haven't seen the red green deck play to much success yeah. when I've been playing, but I think that's largely to do with how I've been approaching limited in this format. Oh yeah, has been highly, highly prioritizing removal spells. Okay, because there's just so few good ones in the set. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to get them that I prioritize them really high. Yeah, which is going to be very difficult for the pack tactic strategy. Sure. So I think that that's maybe the 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 archetypes that I am playing are very good against decks trying to get several creatures into play. Yeah, I think uh, the the red black and the red green deck both are like like those there there are synergy decks in those colors, but the uh, really successful stuff from what from what I've heard is basically those like just good stuff decks. Like just red black good stuff with like the good removal and good big red creatures basically and then like there's a few good real real good black creatures like gelatinous cube or whatever. The and uh and the red green deck also is just kinda like you're gonna play good creatures, like and just giant freaking stuff and just get it out there with treasure tokens and things. And so they're they're basically just good stuff decks. Um I think that's part of why I started started out by saying like the those good stuff decks seem to be uh strong as then like the 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 other top tier decks are like the black white adventure deck and the red white equipment deck and the red white equipment deck seems like it's really good if it comes together but you really have to get the payoffs and the equipment to make it happen and like those exist and like the dueling rapier and the uh the late mail uh i don't know that's not one that i heard i think the um like boots of speed or something mm-hmm. uh were real good and then like there's some good creatures that like care about being equipped and stuff and, like if you get the cards to do it it's really strong and like just red white is generally good at being aggressive so if you don't build that deck you can kind of just build like a red white aggressive deck. yeah um i have felt found that deck's hard to play as well. Yeah. Because they're so f- that that one's got a similar problem to the black green deck as just the cards for it are so few. Mm-hmm. They're not non-existent like the black green deck, but there's just not very many of them and so it is hard to get the red white deck. Yeah. And so if you you can play red white just as an aggro deck that includes but I think some the the advantage of trying to play that deck is if you miss and don't get the deck, all of the cards in it are still good in an aggressive deck. Sure. And so I, th- I think red-white's not terrible, but the red-white deck is hard to put together, too. But I, I think that this format is quite is much better if you get one of the synergy-driven decks. Okay. Um, it's just that a couple of color combinations, the cards are hard to find, and a couple of the color combinations, the hards are, cards are hard to keep to yourself. Sure. I think something that's interesting about that is, like, it seems like the problem, insofar as it exists, with playing the... Uh... The synergy decks is just that the individual card quality is high, whether you're playing synergy or not. So, like, the yeah. cards are good. And that's just, like, a power creep issue Magic has had forever. You know, it's like, the cards just keep getting better and better. And so, like, whether we're saying, oh, you just take the good stuff, or you're building a synergy deck, either way, you want, you're, like, getting all the really good cards, you know? And and also that comes down to like uh, what I had written down here was like that the prince and the pauper thing usually is a 
uh, relationship between rares and like commons and uncommons. Um, but I wrote down here, like, this feels like that, but it's not that. It's so much as it's just like strong cards versus like just powerful cards versus the synergy cards. And, uh, and I think what I'm hearing from you is like, oh yeah, but a lot of the strong cards are the synergy cards. Like, those yeah. are the same cards. And, uh... Yeah, like, Cleric Class. That's, in my opinion, one of the best cards in the set in Limited. Yeah. It's one mana, and then, um, if you gain life, you gain an additional life instead. And then the second class on it, second level of it, I think it's, like, four mana to level it up, but... Mm-hmm. Second level says whenever you gain life, you can put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control. And then the third level is five mana, and you just get to put a creature from your graveyard on the battlefield and gain life equal to its toughness. Yeah. Like, the first and second modes, like, the first mode makes it easier to live long enough to level up your class. And then the second mode makes all of your creatures threatening if you're just gaining life every now and then. And then the third mode is card advantage of you getting back your biggest, baddest, scariest thing and also gaining a bunch of life. Yeah. You know? So it's just like, I... And then putting a plus one, plus one counter on something because of the previous chapter, or class level, you know? Right. So it's just like, I think that that card is one of the best cards in the set because it's really good. Yeah. But also it's one of the cards you really kind of want for your green-white life game deck. Sure. Yeah, so like, I guess the the... The thing I was calling out was like it's it's interesting because like uh, the the just the card quality generally has gotten to the point that there's not a lot of cards in each set. They like oh well this card sucks you know like generally your your draft pool is all playables and like some of them are more corner case than others and like they're not all necessarily on color and you know you've got ones that are better than others so you're gonna play the better ones but like you hardly ever draft anything that you're like, well, I'm not going to play this, you know? Uh, I I don't know. Um, I guess I am more... Uh, I, I, I am more thinking in a vacuum than you are, I guess. Because whenever I look at my pool, I'm often like, not playing this, not playing this, and maybe that's just because I am used to the level of this format and I'm not thinking about it in content compared to other things. So I don't think, oh, I won't play these. Yeah. Or I won't. I I don't think like oh these are these would be good. It's just these other things are better. I just think in this format this isn't good. Maybe, uh, like I said, I'm like like I've mentioned a few times. Like I'm not talking from very much experience here. So mm-hmm. so like I was I I'm kind of thinking more about uh at magic changing generally like over the last yeah. twenty years or whatever. So it seems mm-hmm. like there were a lot more cards that we looked at and we're just like oh. This is just a bad card. And, like, we used to have discussions, like, why are there bad cards? Well, there have to be bad cards to let other cards shine. Or the bad cards are so that the, like, good players can shine by recognizing that they're bad. And stuff like that. And like, Well, I think that the, the card level has improved, but I think what's really improved is Wizards has done a better job of making cards that are better in different ways. Yeah. In different formats. And so it's just like this, um, what's it called? Like, like a hard class is a commander. Veteran card. Dungeoner. Veteran Dungeoner is a one man, a four mana three four that when it enters the battlefield ventures in the dungeon. Sure. I am not playing that outside of limited. That is terrible <laughs> outside of limited. Sure. But in the black white venture deck or the blue white venture deck, that's really, really good. Yeah. So it's just like 
that card's good there, but like uh, Bard class, mm-hmm. terrible and limited. But I just got absolutely stomped by a red green legendaries deck in standard the other day. Really? Like just absolutely steamrolled. Okay. And so it's just like I think that they the, they're doing better at making cards that are good in like commander, but not really for limited or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or cards that are good in you know standard, but not other stuff and so i think it's they're doing a better job of having the cards all have a home and a reason why you'd want to play it yeah like nobody wants to play gray ogre anywhere sure you know like you play it in limited because you don't have enough creatures Mm -hmm. but that's you're not like oh man this card's good in limited (laughs) you know yeah and so i think that has caused a general power creep problem but i think it has led to me being happier with the cards yeah i I didn't bring this up to like be critical and be like, oh, power creep, it's so bad. I just mean, like, so many of the cards are good that when I say, like, oh, well, you can just play a good stuff deck, then uh, you can counter that by being like, well, I'm going to play a good stuff deck, but I'm going to work the synergies into it. Like, I'm only going to take and play really good cards, but I'm also only going to take and play cards that are both really good and on my synergy, you know? Because, like, there's enough good cards that you can do that. Yeah. So, like, because um, I think there there are formats, like the the true Prince format, right, is where the rares are really, really powerful, and the commons and uncommons really just aren't. And so... Yeah, like War of the Spark. Sure. I don't think I played that that's The most, most Prince-y format I've seen in decades. Like, okay. It did not matter what your commons and uncommons were. It's just what good rare did you get. Sure. And then the the popper format is free and one where it's like, okay, yeah, you've got, like, maybe you've got a dragon or you've got uh, some kind of bomb creature or whatever in there. But the main focus here is, like, there's a bunch of really good commons that pick, you picked up and work well together. So, like, make a real strong aggro deck or whatever, right? And uh, and, and maybe, maybe what I'm picking up on is, like, this format's more, like, in the middle than that. It's not really going to either extreme, but, like, it seems like there's a lot of really good cards that you can just build that, like, good stuff deck that doesn't need to have, like, all the pieces working in harmony to to play it, but they don't, it's not like they need to be rares, and they're not all bombs, they're just, like, good things, (laughs) you know? Well, that's what I, that's what I always call, like, corset draft. Yeah. Is those, these drafts were, like, Playing good stuff decks is good. You don't have to play the spoon-fed archetypes. Mm-hmm. I hate formats where the spoon-fed archetypes is all that's good. Yeah. In general. I really like Strixhaven for some reason, but <laughs> that was weird. Um, but maybe it's just because the theme of the set was really fun, so I enjoyed the archetypes. Yeah. But, like, I drafted, like, Ultimate Masters. That sucked. That was really not fun because playing good cards didn't matter it was just what you played archetype-wise. Sure. You had to build one of the decks that you were told existed. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's why I like Strixhaven Draft, is because the decks that you're told existed aren't constructed decks. Yeah. They're they're limited decks that you wouldn't play this in constructed, you know? So yeah. maybe that's why I like that one still. I, I think that's that's generally the kind of environment that I like, too. What, you're, what, what you just described, not necessarily what you said you like, um, is when... 
there are specific decks that you can find and build. And whether they're, like, really telegraphed or you've got to, like, hunt for them, I like for there to be, like, oh, I'm going to build the this deck that exists in this format and is draftable in most drafts, right? And, like, maybe maybe I do or don't get it this time, but, like, any draft table I sit down at, I could probably build the this deck. Somebody probably got the cards for it, right. even if it wasn't you. Right. Um, I, I like that kind of format. I don't really like it when the deck that wins is just the deck that has all, like, the best five drops or whatever, you know? Uh, I, I, I like those formats, too. You like the formats that just have, like, or you're just like, well, I just took the, the biggest cards or whatever. Yeah, those are fun. It's just like, look. Like, I, um, I, li- I like to have to, like, figure out, like, how to, how to build the deck that actually works, where it's not just like, oh, well... I took the things that are good. <laughs> I think that those those formats, the ones that are fun, are the times where you have to where it, it the challenge is figuring out which cards are good. Okay. You know. Yeah. It's just like okay, well these are the good cards. I'm gonna play these ones. It's like that's fun if the good cards are like three mana three fours. You know, it's like this is the good card. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That that you didn't see that one coming. Did I you? will admit that was really fun. In like what was it like in. Was it M12? I think M12 are the ones that you ran up at the school, and I was just like, you know this group's pride mate? It's a two-mana 3-2 a trample, dog. Like, I'm going to beat your face in. Let's go. Yeah, I guess it would have been a lot later than that, what I'm thinking of. I mean, when when did they bring the uh, slivers back? M13. M13? Maybe it mm-hmm. was that one. Oh, sure. There was, there, was a, there was a core set, though, where, like, it was just really bad, but, like, not really bad, not fun to play. It's just, like, none of the cards were good. And so, like, the best cards in the format were, like, a 4-4 four, four for 5. <laughs> it was, like, the beefiest thing you could play. That, and, like, that yeah, was I, fun. Yeah. Um, I think that reminds me a lot of playing, like, Core 19. Draft. Yeah, that sounds more... Well, no, that would have been more recent than what I'm thinking. I don't know. I don't know what I'm I thinking. I mean, Core 19 came out in 2018. I'm, I'm thinking of... Does that help? Maybe. Maybe. What I'm thinking is, I remember playing on my laptop it, when I lived in Princeton. Uh, M15 might have been similar? Maybe. In Princeton? Yeah. If it was a core set, then it had to be core 19. That would have been the earliest core set you could have played in Princeton. Maybe that. Maybe that's it, then. I don't know. Because Origins was the last core set, and that came out in... Yeah. Well, I guess you lived in Princeton when Origins came out. but And then they didn't do core sets for a few years. What core set was before Origins? M13. No, M15. Sorry, M15 was before Origins. It, it probably was either 15 or 19. Right. Yeah. Because it wasn't Origins. I did live in Princeton when Origins came out, though. So it yeah, that's true. M15. Yes. Yeah, maybe it was M15. Um, yeah, it might have been it. That was that was fun. I enjoy playing, like, 5-mana 4-4s. Four I just remember the, the cards, cards were really bad. Like, they were boring dumb cards that were not good cards and I was not excited about the format and I was like this is going to be bad because all the cards are bad and there's nothing exciting in like the previews or anything but then I played it as like oh this is so much fun like the best card in the set is opportunity and that's awesome yeah um what what set was opportunity and I've got a specific card I can might be able to identify yeah maybe that'll help in Magic 2014. 
Yeah, that would have been probably about when you. So that that would probably been about when you moved to Princeton, like yeah. a year after. Yeah, but uh, anyway, uh, I think back back to what I was saying like twenty minutes ago. Though I was like, uh, I, I like I like it when I can build you know the deck and like the deck exists in the format. It's been like seeded into the format, but I but like you were saying, I want that deck to be something that's like a limited thing. Not like a constructed deck. I don't. And I think that's why I don't like a lot of masters sets limited as much, because it's the the decks that you're playing is like oh I'm playing a bad storm deck. I'm playing a bad. That's Bobo why I don't deck. like I'm playing. Cube. Yeah, that's the same. I don't like you for the same reason. It's almost it's like uh, I'm just playing a bad constructed deck. Yeah, and M fourteen also had slivers in it. So and like I I gravitate towards limited partly. Because I don't like the the constructed environment where, like, here are the good decks. Play one of these or just lose, you know? And, like, I know Limited mm-hmm. can feel that way sometimes once, like, if it's gotten... The format's been out for a while. Uh, like, we've kind of figured out how to play the various different color combinations and stuff. But since Limited kind of plays on a different power level and has, like, more flexibility in how you build the decks and stuff, uh, like, it feels a lot less like that. It feels a lot more like, you know, just whatever cards you get, you can build something out of that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't like the decks, the formats where you have to play a specific deck. I think the reason I liked Strixhaven was because since the support was only there for these color combinations, mm-hmm. you had to play these color combinations, but you could play the just the good stuff you had in those color combinations, and it was fine. Yeah. Um, and that's what I like about this set, is you can play... Like, the good stuff decks are there, and they're good, and I think that they're better than... Play, or the I think the synergy decks... I'm sorry, the synergy decks are there, and they're good, and I think they're better mm-hmm. if you can play them, but you can just play some good cards. Sure. I think uh, I think the impression I've gotten is that you can just kind of like throw a good stuff deck together and that will trounce almost all of the synergy decks, possibly because, like you're saying, that it's harder to get the good, get all the pieces together for those synergy decks. And like maybe if you, you know, you're going up against someone who did get them, the synergy deck is going to be more powerful. But if most of the time people don't have all the right pieces and they're not quite getting there, then you can kind of stomp on the on the synergy decks. But I also think that it, it might be true that, like, the good stuff deck is almost just a synergy deck in and of itself, too. Because, like, if you're just playing, like, a red-black good stuff deck, but you're relying on the fact that you have some treasure tokens to, like, get some of your expensive red creatures out there or whatever, then, like, that's what the red-black synergy deck is doing, too. You've just pushed a little bit more for, like the powerful cards than the, like, synergies, but you're still playing that deck, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, that's fair. And I think that, um, the other thing I was just, I, I don't know, it looks like, it sounds like I'm kind of wrapping up here. Yeah. And I think I would just like to mention to people, it's like, I think in this set, removal is kind of weak because yeah. there's just not quite enough of it. And what there so is So if is... you see a good removal spell, I would grab it as quick as possible. Yep. So stuff like Grim Bounty, Minimus Containment, um, Precipitous Drop. Yeah. So because, like, a lot of what is there 
is disappointing. Um, it's like, what was it? Spoils of the Hunt. Like, these cards are good removal spells for limited. Like, the classic good removal spells. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you see one of those, grab them. Because you're, the other removal is kind of cruddy. Like, Eyes of the Beholder. Yeah, or, Eyes um, of the Beholder is just so expensive. Yeah, or the, the three-mana one, that deal, Sorcery in Red, that deals two damage and you make a treasure. Yeah. Like, those cards are bad, but you're going to end up playing them because yeah. there's not enough removal that's good. Or even, like, Portable Hole? Not a bad card, but it's so uh, limited. Is that, it? Yeah, that in, in limited. Yeah, it's, it's so narrow that in limited, it's, it's not going to be uh, in the top Yeah, because, like, you're going to... Your one mana removal spell can only hit their like ones and two drops, so you're not gonna get their big bomb with your removal spell, which is when removal is really great and limited. Right. And like in constructed, you you have a good shot that your opponent isn't playing anything that the portable hole can't hit. You know? Yeah, Some like formats. But... Your opponent's gonna have two drops that are their bombs, you know? Right. And so it's like, you know, get that out of here. Right. But in limited your opponent is way more likely to be playing more stuff that it can't hit than stuff that it can. Well, I don't know. It depends. You know, this is a fairly aggressive format, but... I think a portable hole is probably still fine, just because it hits non-creature cards. Yeah, I'm, I don't mean uh, to say that it's bad. I just mean that... It is, it is still worse than Minimus Containment or Grim Bounty, and you're going to play the portable hole because there's you're not going to hit enough of those good ones. Yeah. And so I'm just saying, like, if you see one of those good removal spells, grab it. Sure. Yeah, I can get on board with that. If you're not already dedicated to other colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, if I'm playing a green-white I mean, deck, I'm not going to take the Grim Bounty. Some of these most things likely. are splashable. But that's what I think. And so I think that's one of the reasons I gravitate towards the Black-White Venture deck or the Treasure deck if I'm playing Black-Red. Yeah. Is because... Grim Bounty leaves a treasure behind, or Precipitous Drop ventures in the dungeon, like, just as an additional thing they do. Yeah. And so I'm already taking these cards that do the other thing, too. Yeah, anyhow, um, I think we probably covered everything that I wanted to cover on this limited review. Uh, I'm kind of, kind of sorry to all our listeners that I didn't, didn't have more experience and stuff to, to speak to. With this format, back up your put your put your words where your mouth is, right? And like I'm, I'm hoping to uh, get more invested into into this uh, midnight hunt. Is that what's coming up next? Yep. Maybe I'll play that more. Uh, Don, was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we uh, like read an email? No, I think I'm good. All right, cool. Because we we got an email this week. Uh, as as our regular listeners know, like once a month, we take all of the cards that we opened up on the show in the previous month, and we give them away to someone on our Patreon, generally. Like, you can also get in on the giveaways by going over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash planeswalkers, and if you just, like, check out the description area where it says, like, about Planeswalkers Anonymous, um, there's a bit in there that, that explains how our giveaways work and in that section you can click a link that'll take you over to a little survey you can take that will enter you in for free so you can you can join the giveaway for free that way uh but so far our our patrons have been getting our our giveaways and so this last month when i went to mail out the cards that we were giving away uh from that 
from that month, I also had not yet sent the cards from the previous month, and so I sent those too, but since I had, like, taken, like, a whole month to get those out, I grabbed, uh, I just grabbed a handful of, of extra packs that I had laying around, and I tossed them in there, and I, I told, uh, our winner, like, hey, sorry, I hadn't got this to you, I threw in some packs to make up for it. And uh, he sent me an email and told us that he he opened up those packs and let us know what he what he pulled out of them. And it actually seems like I gave him the good packs. <laughs> <laughs> like I, we opened up a bunch of these Japanese set boosters on the show, and then we had some decent stuff in them. Like we had a few that were good, but uh, I think I put four of them into the package I sent our listener Matt, and uh, he says on here he said he just cracked the Japanese set booster packs that I sent him, and he said that that was unnecessary, but he appreciated it, uh, and he got four Mythics. Uh, so out of four packs, he got four Mythics. Um, Donovan, you think he got some exciting stuff? He sent us a photo. Yeah, uh, Belliger's Witherbloom is, he got a full art, not only a Belliger's Witherbloom, but a full art one, mm-hmm. and that card's just a really good commander card. Oh, nice. Um, I think you could you could play it somewhere else too, but it's you're probably gonna need to cheat it into place. So I think it's like eight mana or something like that to cast it. Yeah. So it's it's pretty good card, but it's really good in commander. So that's really cool. Um, the Kazmina is a neat card because it grants its loyalty abilities to all other planeswalkers. Yeah. And so it's just like I don't know. I I've played with that on historic some, and it's kind of fun to play with it with the War of the Spark planeswalkers that don't have plus abilities. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's really proven to be super powerful right now. Yeah. Um, the Galazeth Prismari though is a good. Co- it's been a format all star pretty much anywhere people want to play it. Um, yeah. Commander standard, and I, I've even seen it crop up in uh, modern decks here and there. Sure. So like, it's a it's a pretty good card. And then that Crackle of Power is probably another like commander like all star because it like it costs costs a bunch of mana to do its thing because it's like re- like triple red and double x to cast yeah but it does like five times x damage to x targets yeah like it's a bunch of mana but like so it, it does a lot of damage like yeah Real good yeah so it's it's quite good um they also got a a brain freeze which i thought was a, was a cool pull yeah brain freeze is a card that was has been quite popular in Commander and Legacy recently. Yeah. The last couple of years. So that's a pretty good pull. I think Hall of Oracles is a card that's been quite good in a bunch of, uh, like, Spellslinger-style decks. Mm-hmm. So it's been quite good. And then Eliminate's just a good card from recent sets. So sure. a role player and standard and stuff. Yeah. And then just to, to round out the list of his rares and mythics, he also opened up a Dream Strix, right? Yep. Which I think has not been good anywhere, but it's pretty. <laughs> sure. And he went. He went on to tell us that uh, after after he after he finished the episode, I'm not sure what what week he, it was that he sent this, but I mean I could look at the date on it, right? But he wh- whatever he said after he finished that week's episode, um, Spotify just kind of queued up the first episode that we put out, like our original episode number one. And uh, he thought it was really fun to listen to just how different and and less polished we were on our first episode than the episodes we do today. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, polished. I thought he was saying we used to sound more Polish. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, 
do I remember that? No, not at all. I don't remember. <laughs> like our very first episode. As far as I knew, we'd been doing this our whole lives. <laughs> never, never started. Our very first episode, I have not listened to like since we put it out. Um, that was like an SCG Turner. Report yeah, or I'm pretty sure right? it's kind of bad. Like I, I think that that uh, you had a lot of good information for us about like the meta game and stuff, and we did. We just talked about like what happened at the SCG, but I don't know, man. I, I remember it took me a really long time to edit that one. It was it was kind of long, and, like, we didn't have... But, I mean, that's probably what a large part of uh, why it sounds more polished now, is you're just better at editing. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, like... That probably makes a difference. Um, I just, Another thing I thought was really interesting, actually, was to know that Matt listens on Spotify. Um, not that it makes a big difference, or I have anything else to add to that, but uh, it's interesting to me to know, like, where people are getting our show. Yeah, um, I thought it was funny whenever um, my business partner was like, yeah, I'd listen to y'all if y'all were on Spotify. And I was like, we are on Spotify? He's like, oh, and he had to come up with a different excuse. <laughs> well, I, I I think that's everything we've got for this episode, Donovan. Um, God, with, I think this one's going to be longer than I expected it to be. We better better cut it toss, off. Do I toss this to our buddy Fenric to get paid? Sure. We can do that, but before we do, Donovan, if anyone wants to ask you about the value of the cards they ripped open in their bonus packs from Planeswalkers Anonymous, where can they find you? You can find me at Boardwalk Games in North Dallas, selling Magic Gathering cards, or on Twitter at Day underscore Donovan, and uh, you can find me Tuesday nights on Twitch at D-Day underscore 99, like them underscores. Cool, cool. And if you want to let me know where you listen to our podcast, you can tweet at me at engine within on the twitters or you could email the show at planeswalkerspod at gmail.com and that's or if you listen to us on itunes you can rate us right yeah review yeah actually the, that's supposed to be good for us that is like i haven't mentioned that in a long time but uh yeah if, if you listen to us anywhere that lets you rate or review the show that's supposed to be a big big help so you know apple itunes or apple podcasts where else, wherever else you get the show, you go down there and hit that rate review, or visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash planeswalkers. And if you do that, you can support the show and join our monthly giveaways. <laughs> Planeswalkers Anonymous was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Engine Within Studios, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Good day. Live studio audience for children? Um, Pepper? You're listening. I'm listening. To you. Well, I'm pretending to listen to you all week. All right, yeah. Hi, I'm Finrick Swindler. That's right of Finric Swindler's Adventuring Gear, the most trusted brand in adventuring and dungeoneering outfitters. As planeswalkers have migrated to Toro, Finric Swindler's Adventuring Gear goes with them. I'm opening new locations across Mastica, as well as an outlet store in Waterdeep. But before you venture into a dungeon, visit Finric Swindler's Adventuring Gear. Now offering 50 feet of rope with qualifying purchase. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. If I trade in um, 
all of the guns I got from some mobsters who try to beat me up in an alley while I get 50 feet of rope? Uh, sure. Seems seems good enough. You take what you like. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna cut all this, I think. Because <laughs> you make me feel bad for saying that. I was, I was, I was trying to use the parlance of someone that sounded like a douche, but now you just made me feel like a douche. Got him. Hi, I'm Finric Swindler. That's right, of Finric Swindler's Adventuring Gear, the most trusted brand in advertising. Is <laughs> not what it says here. No. Come on, Finric. You wrote this ad copy. Learn Shut to up. read it. I can say whatever I want. It's my app. Ah, uh, well, that's that is true. I mean, also like goblins and reading. I'm not a goblin. We decided you this. used to be. <laughs> you used to be a goblin. Also, advertising is the thing I do most. Hi, I'm Finric Swindler. Certainly not the most trusted brand in advertising. You don't think he's a trusted advertiser? No. We seem to trust them. We keep running his ads. Yeah, but I don't think that there's a lot of truth in his advertising. Not okay. that. But like one not day, not that we have a. One day, like I think he's not going to pay us for his ads. I just mean that. Well, I'm like I'm hoping he will at some point. Surely he will, right? Like he's got he's building up quite a bit of credit. Yeah, I'm sure he's good for it. I trust him. <laughs>